Folks, your financial freedom is at stake when the government thrives on creating unrelenting inflation, an astronomical debt, crippling interest rates, and market turmoil that we haven't seen in decades. And now you have an administration that wants to tax everything that you have to fund runaway entitlement spending. You should empower yourself with opportunity and the freedom to pursue success and to keep the fruits of your hard work. And if you want to protect your future, you should call a precious metals dealer that I trust, American Hartford Gold. They can show you how to protect your savings and retirement accounts by diversifying your portfolio with physical gold and silver. And all it takes to get started is a short phone call. An American Hartford Gold can have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or inside your IRA or 401k. They make it easy. American Hartford Gold is the highest rated firm in the country with an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied clients. Call today and they'll give you up to $5,000 of free silver on your first qualifying order. Call American Hartford Gold today at 866-887-1188. That's 866-887-1188 or text Dana to 998899. That's 866 866- 887-1188 or text Dana to 998899. Is the federal government using inflation to enforce their green agenda? If your energy price goes up, they'll try to sell you an electric vehicle. But if the price of your groceries go up, the Fed can do absolutely nothing. How do you get relief in your wallet while the federal government turns us into Europe? Check out the Watchdog on Wall Street podcast on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Nikki Haley, one of the Republican candidates, is calling for mental competency tests for those politicians over the age of 75. What do you think about that? Ridiculous. Would your husband ever take one of those? (laughs) I mean, we haven't even discussed. We would never even discuss something like that. Well, I mean, probably should, though, at some point. Uh, welcome to the show. Dana Lash here with you. That's an old soundbite. I just don't even give a rat's ass. I don't care. I don't care because I, I, it's such a horrible administration. Does it matter? Does it matter if we do a competency test? Because you got to do a competency test on, I think, everyone in the administration. So welcome to the show. It's Monday, a very crazy Monday, and uh, we have a lot to get into as uh, per usual. And so we are going to do that now. This, we got some foreign policy, we got a whole bunch of stuff today, and uh, this, uh, you know, it was a busy weekend, very busy weekend, and I'm sure it was a busy weekend for you all as well. It was a very busy weekend for the left. I mean, oh my gosh, we had the left who was incredibly busy. I mean, they were attacking police stations and doing all kinds of stuff. Pretty unbelievable. And then, of course, there was a, I will say that there was a bright side that the, and I'm pulling this up, the uh, D.C. crime bill, D.C. City Council was removed. So that was, that's, that's good news. So we're going to dive into all of that. So as I said, your lovable curmudgeon, Dana Lash here with you, uh, as always, to start your week off. Now, over the weekend, too, who was also very busy, the President of the United States, because he was in uh, well, he was he was uh, giving a speech for Black History, and he was there in Selma at the Edmund Pettus Bridge, and he was teaching. This was on the heels of this stupid argument that we've been having that doesn't actually even exist as it relates in Florida. Uh, this whole situation with uh, history and 
uh, how the media is incessant on if there is no CRT present in the Florida schools, then somehow it means that there is no black history being taught. So, which isn't true. We've gone over this a million different times. But it was something that the president touched on once again. He touched on it once again. So he was there at the Edmund Pettus Bridge and he was speaking about the civil rights movement, etc. And he touched one more time on the fact that, well, it's not a fact, uh, that, oh, well, in Florida, you know, they don't, they're not teaching this. He was highlighting the importance of teaching African-American studies, which, you know, crazy. It's uh, that Florida already actually allows that. That's actually mandated teaching. And, and it was reiterated with the Stop Woke Act. Woke Act. How many times, I get so damn tired of saying this over and over again. Are you guys tired of hearing it? Because I'm just tired as all hell of saying it over and over again. Every damn day we have the, I hate the media. Remember when I called them rat bastards and they got all mad? I wasn't wrong. I was years ago. I was saying it before anybody else was. I wasn't wrong. I'm still not wrong. The fact that you have to, I have to sit here and say the same stuff that I've been saying for 10 years now because the press is just absolutely incessant on pushing this. It's infuriating. So they said that this, that's what they were touching on. Oh, well, it's because this, this, it's, it's getting taught. You know, and the problem is this isn't about truth. Can we, can we just stop for one moment and, and uh, let's be real about something. Stop for a second. This is no longer about truth. This is about partisanship. Political tribalism is a mental illness this isn't about truth everyone knows this people know that you know you have this this stop woke act and all this other stuff in florida people know this this isn't i mean people understand what this legislation is they know this they just don't care One of the things that we've got to stop doing on the right is assuming that this is because people are stupid and they don't know any better. Oh, they really believe, they they know. This is about political tribalism. The only people who believe that, that black history isn't taught in Florida is nobody. Those are the only, nobody believes that. It's in the state statute to be taught for crying out loud. But it's not about what is, it's not about the truth or, or the lie of the issue. It's about political tribalism. This is only ever about just saying the same thing over and over again for the left to try to push them make, to make it truth. They think if they repeat it enough that it becomes true. And they know that they exacerbate people like me and people like you. Some people just give up and they stop correcting it. They just give up. This is about tribalism. It's not about whether or not something's true or false. It's about tribalism. That's it. And I think we've really, we really have to honestly just stop thinking that this is about, you know, well, they're trying to convince people of a lie. They know the truth. And we live in an era of information. I think if people want to be dumbasses, they do it so on purpose and they willingly choose it. And just, you know, say a prayer for them, but it's just frustrating. There's me washing my hands of it all. I mean, it's the same. I mean, I I was sitting here, I was reading some of the uh, excerpts, right, from his speech. 
I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me with this stuff. The stuff that he's sitting here saying. Just. But they'll say it over and over again until the lie becomes truth. Now, a few other things here. Because that was just one of the things that they were doing over the weekend. Uh, I saw this headline. This is over at New York Post. Because on one hand, it's maybe a smart thing that Eric Adams says. But on the other thing, I don't believe it. Because I don't necessarily think this is true. I mean, I can see there were a lot of people who were agreeing with him, and I could see how. He said that Lori Lightfoot's loss in Chicago is a warning sign for the party. For the rest of the country, is what he was saying. That it's a warning sign for the rest of the country. Yeah, I don't necessarily think that that's true, though. I mean, I don't. I don't think that that's, I mean, I think it's, I don't think it's a warning for the country. I think it's just Democrats. I don't think that has anything to do with the rest of the country. I think it's, and I don't think necessarily too that because everyone's, everyone is acting like this victory uh, of getting Lori Lightfoot out of office is, is this great thing. At, they act like getting Lori Lightfoot out of office is this great thing. And uh, they could, they actually could put someone in there who's worse. Is the other thing. They said he goes, he goes, it's a warning sign for the country. And he says that they need to focus, Democrats should focus on fighting crime. He's, you know, says that he thinks that public safety is a prerequisite to prosperity. Now, he's not entirely wrong, but where he screws up is his practice of believing that that's only something for the government to do because it's not not something just for the government in order to public safety to protect individuals so now we also have on the uh deck today another derailment same damn company another derailment hey also in ohio second derailment of the company's trains in ohio in just a matter of weeks this one didn't have any of the deadly chemicals on it, though. But this is the second one. I know. Yeah, this one didn't have deadly chemicals. Yay. Oh, I guess it's a step up. Multiple agencies responded to the derailment in Clark County about 38 minutes from Columbus. 212-car train headed to Birmingham, Alabama from Bellevue, Ohio. They said that none of, them were, none of the rail cars were carrying hazardous material. There were no injuries. There was nothing of that sort. They said that one of... Uh, they said that they had four empty hazardous material tank cars, but they did not have hazardous material inside. So there's, you know, that's a, that's something, I suppose. But the still, the fact that it happened again, it was, it was not immediately known what caused the derailment. They said power lines at this point were also involved, so they weren't able to actually get in there and do anything and clean anything up until Sunday. So, uh, what, almost 2,000 people were without power? Some residents uh, had to, who were within 1,000 feet of the site just because of the cleanup and all that, they had to apparently uh, seek shelter. But for the most part, thankfully, there were no, there wasn't any, uh, no serious, there wasn't like a chemical spill, so they didn't, people didn't have to worry about breathing that in. They didn't have to worry about uh, uh, poisoning themselves. They didn't have rainbow water. They didn't have any of those things. So that's, that's an upside, I suppose. 
but but it happened a second time. Now, I do also know that, and I realize entirely that this is something that is, you know, you have these uh, derailments that do happen. It's something that does happen. I understand that. And so the issue isn't that these these do happen from time to time. I mean, the issue is that these derailments, what is, I mean, is this a common denominator? Is it a common denominator? Is it, what's the issue? Because it was the ball bearing and the axle with the previous one. And we hear Democrats sit here and talk constantly about the uh, infrastructure. They love trains. They talk about trains all the time. They talk about infrastructure. Yet, I just don't see everything that they get going into this. How many times have Democrats been given taxpayer dollars to assist, to do something, to help out in some way, to redo, to, to, it, to beef up infrastructure? I hear it over and over again. Folks, are you concerned about American K-12 through education? Are you worried about what your children or grandchildren are learning or not learning in school? So if you've answered yes, my friends at Hillsdale College have a free resource for you. You've heard me talk about how Hillsdale College understands the importance of education to the future of our country. And now they're offering you 10 free print copies of their recent issue of Imprimus, entitled Education as a Battleground, written by Hillsdale College President Larry P. Arn. This special issue provides a factual account of the issues in the ongoing Going battle over education and why parents and teachers, not bureaucrats or activists, should guide what our children learn. With Hillsdale College, you can make a difference in your community by distributing these copies of Imprimus to your community. Don't miss this opportunity to arm yourself with the facts. Claim your 10 free copies of Education as a Battleground by visiting Dana4FORHillsdale.com. That's Dana4Hillsdale.com. Act today and join the battle over education for our country's future. That's Dana4Hillsdale.com. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. All right, so first up, the uh, New York court workers who were fired if they didn't get the vaccine, well, now they have to be rehired with back pay as the state board has finally... I mean, it's only been, what, two and a half years? Scrap the mandate? New York court workers have to be rehired. This is according to uh, the latest ruling from the state's Public Employment Relations Board. They said under terms of the decision that was issued last month, the unified court system has to immediately cease and desist from enforcing policies that require all non-judicial employees to get the fake injection that they call a vaccine or undergo regular testing. If people want to get the injection, that's fine, but don't force me to modify my language and call it a vaccine in the same way that you wouldn't force me to call someone who chopped off their frankenbeans a woman uh also and no this is an interesting thing and i've seen this like for use with a lot of things but really lately with this new york post says that there's a network of twitter bots praising trump but slamming everybody else all the other republicans they said it's a network of bots that have been targeting any of trump's perceived rivals and trolling critics like uh, Mitch McConnell, according to a report on Monday. They say the fake accounts, which number in the hundreds of thousands, are behind a lot of... Honestly, what did I tell you? This is... It's it's trying to bait people into getting into fights and furthering division. And people need to not take this bait and be suspicious of anybody pushing you to take it. 
Uh, also, this um, this is an actual real story, and I thought it was a joke. I saw it over the weekend, and I really thought it was a joke, but it's real, and it's my favorite story. It's from KATU, Channel 2 ABC. Uh, the story says that the National Park Service warns you, is warning people to not push your slower friend down when running from bears. The National Park Service, it's a very important PSA. They said, quote, don't push a slower friend down when running away, even if the friendship is nearing the end of its life. They gave the cheeky advice in a series of tweets saying, if not friend, why friend shape? What about your other friend? So I still will push down somebody slower. Since they want to disarm you, That's then then let us be able because Bear Mace doesn't do anything. Actually, I don't think I've ever. That's the only thing that I'm actually worried about going in the national parks is bears. I've had so many stories from friends of mine. All right. So in addition to this, I told you a little earlier, and we're going to we'll talk about this a little more. The crime bill. You guys know that crime, the D.C. crime bill that was actually withdrawn by the council member who proposed it. So the D.C. crime bill that was going to uh, lower the penalties for carjackings and a bunch of other serious things and also was pushing for D.C. statehood. That's actually been withdrawn. That was sent to Kamala Harris this morning. So very interesting. Uh, So we're going to we'll talk a little bit about what that means. And of course, uh, which we're going to start, we're going to dive into this here coming up. New emails show that Fauci commissioned that 2020 study that he actually went out and used to disprove that coronavirus leaked from a Wuhan lab. I know, we all have questions. Stay with us. We got this and a lot more on the way next. Breathe life into your own backyard this spring with FastGrowingTrees.com. From shade trees to fresh fruit to privacy hedge plants, let FastGrowingTrees.com help you plant your dream garden with their expert advice and fast, reliable shipping. FastGrowingTrees.com's plant experts curate thousands of easy-to-grow plants, shrubs, and tree varieties for your unique climate. And they understand that sometimes it's hard to know which plants will do best. No problem. With FastGrowingTrees.com, You get customized recommendations based on your specific needs, and they're always available to help keep your plants growing healthy through every season. Their website is easy to use, and the shipping's fast. With Fast Growing Trees, 30-day alive and thrive guarantee, you know everything will look great fresh out of the box. So join over 1.5 million happy Fast Growing Trees customers. Visit fastgrowingtrees.com slash Dana now and get 15% off your entire order. Get 15 percent off at fastgrowingtrees.com slash Dana. That's fastgrowingtrees.com slash Dana. Listen to the Dana Show live on the Odyssey app. Weekdays noon to 3 p.m. Eastern time. Are you going to endorse Joe Biden if he runs for re-election? Oh, there's plenty of time for the election. This is the problem with America right now. We start an election every time there's a cycle coming up. Yeah, he's up. the leader of your party. I, uh, I, I, no, the bottom line is let's see who's involved. Let's wait until we see who all the players are. Let's just wait until it all comes out. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I will say this. So this is Joe Manchin. Welcome back to the program. Dana Lash here with you. Happy Monday. You can listen across the country as we talk about people. You can also... Uh, watch the simulcast of the radio program on the internet youtube facebook also direct tv channel 349 the problem with mansion is that he's never going to go anywhere else beside where he is because even if he were to switch to republican side republican voters would never vote for him because he has a moderate record and because they don't trust him democrats are never going to advance him 
So it's kind of a problem that he's got. Big problem that he has. And so he can't, I mean, if Democrats were smart, which I know, but if they were, they would run him. Who was the, Kane? who was the guy who ran, I want to say it was in 2012. He was the veteran who ran and he was actually kind of a moderate. Maybe it was 2012 or maybe it was, maybe it was going into 2016. But, but he was kind of a moderate. And I always thought if Democrats were smart, they would, they would get behind this guy. He was more of a, you know, a classical liberal. He was, you know, he's very much not, it was not progressive. Anyway, they didn't, they, they, you know, they ended up choosing to go behind, they threw their way behind who they ended up running with. But if Democrats were smart, they would actually run with Joe Manchin. They'd run him. He's a moderate. He, I don't agree with a lot of stuff that he's done. I'm mad at him over the big tax bill that he backed. But at the same time, he would actually get a lot of, I think he would get a lot of Democrats. He would pull a lot, he'd pull a lot of moderates. Democrats aren't concerned about building a big tent though. And here's what's, here's the difference. At some point this shifted between Democrats and Republicans. And I, I was actually thinking, uh, thinking on a piece about this. I'm not sure when the flip happened, but it did at some point. They ended up at some point um, flipping. They ended up, you know, exchanging places, Democrats and Republicans, in terms of how they approached coalition building. Because Democrats used to want to build a coalition. They, they used to want all kinds of individuals under their, you know, their masthead, for the lack of a better way to describe it. And they had a lot of people who thought differently about different things, but there were certain things in which they were united. And it, it was the right that was supposed to be siloed and singular. And now that's flipped. And there are a lot of people who felt that the Democrat Party or the left really as a description at large ended up shifting so far to the left that it kind of now it, it sort of adjusted the entire system of political measure and it left all of these people who were in the in the middle seemingly now identifying as kind of moderates or even kind of you know moderate to the right they don't care about coalition building because they care only about obedience obedience to the narrative lockstep on the issue that's it do not ask questions do not suggest anything to the contrary they are not concerned about common ground, common ground. They, that is to them surrender and betrayal. Unfortunately, in a country where you have you know, millions upon millions of people, billions, millions of people living, and they come from all walks of life and they all think differently, I mean, you're, you're not going to be able to get everything that you want. But that's not, they, they do not want that. They want they don't want any common ground. They just want what they want, and that's it. Anything else is a betrayal. So they are not ever going to consider running somebody like Manchin. And I don't even know if Manchin, people keep going, oh, is Manchin, this is the time of the uh, political cycle when all the people in media are like, oh, is so-and-so going to run? 
Is so-and-so going to run? Everyone looks like they're going to just ignore all these people. Manchin's not going to run. And even if he did, he wouldn't have a shot in hell because he, he wouldn't be able to get enough support on the right. Uh, and he wouldn't have any support on the left that would affect fundraising. There's no way it would absolutely just take him out at the knees. There's no way. So he's but if they were smart, they would. If they were smart, they'd kick Joe Biden out and they'd put Joe Manchin in. They'd get rid of Kamala. If they were smart, Democrats would do that going into 2024. But they're not. I mean, that would be such. Think about it for a minute. And I'm only because this is if they were smart, this would be a lot tougher the biggest problems that we have are our own side. It's ourselves. Because the left is the left. They're always going to be the left. You could expect them to behave that way. It's the people who are not necessarily all... It, it's the people who aren't really about the purpose of the movement, which is to get left alone. There are a lot of people who want to ride that wave all the way to some kind of relevancy or power adjacency. And that's a real problem on the right. Uh, but... If the left actually had more than if they were smart, they would run Manchin. They would they would take out Biden. They would substitute Manchin in with or without Kamala Harris. And Manchin would be a formidable if they put all of their machinery behind him. You would get some big time donors. Democrats would have some major donors. Uh, He would get a lot of support and he probably would have a lot of momentum down ticket. So he would he would be dragging a lot of people across the uh, threshold in a lot of these other in a lot of these Senate races, congressional races, and it would be a it would be a nightmare for the right. It would be an absolute nightmare. But they're not going to do it because he's not all on board with climate with all the climate change stuff that they want. He's not on he's not on board with any of that. He's there's other things that, you know, he 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 isn't exactly wokeified. He's not on he's not on board with that. I mean, I think there's no way in hell I'd vote for him, even if he were a Republican. He's not as petty as Mitt Romney, but the policies are not much different. But they're never going to do it. Emails show Fauci commissioned a 2020 study that he then used to try to disprove coronavirus coronavirus links and that it leaked from this Wuhan lab. So, you know, the edit. So this this there was this paper that came out in February 2020, and it was one of the first times that he actually um, had had cited uh, the whole zoonotic or lab leak thing, et cetera, et cetera. So the the House Republicans who have been investigating the handling of the pandemic show the NIAID, the National Institutes of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, Anthony Fauci, that he had commissioned the actual paper that he cited that said that it was improbable that the virus leaked out of a lab in Wuhan. And it was that paper, he stood right next to Trump at a press conference, and he's like, yeah, we got this study. And um, yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it was, it was a, it uh, didn't uh, leak out of a lab. It didn't, it's very improbable that it leaked out of a lab. I remember that. That was one of the first press conferences that we actually took. I was on air, and we actually, we had to suspend some of the show for it to, to, to take it. And it, it was, he, I mean, he, I remember him citing this, and I remember this. I still have the original link saved in my bookmarks. I mean, he cited that, and that was his, that was, and it was a report that he actually commissioned. And he's standing there next to Trump, and they're talking about it, and, and saying that, no, 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 because he was asked a question by a member of the press, was it, you know, the, about the theories that it leaked from a lab? No, 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 he says, and then he cites this paper that he actually commissioned, 
but didn't disclose that he commissioned it to the press. And now you have both the FBI and the Energy Department declare that, yes, it was a lab leak, which we all knew that it was. Now, it was the Nature Medicine publication. And they had stated that, yes, it was Fauci that had prompted this, that had sent, that commissioned this report. Dr. Christian Anderson says that Fauci prompted him to, prompted was the word that this guy used, prompted him to write the paper with the goal of disproving the lab leak theory. It was written four days, according to this report from House Republicans in Nature Medicine, that NIH boss, that, that Francis Collins and Fauci held a call with the authors of this, of this report to discuss how coronavirus may have been leaked from a genetic testing lab in Wuhan and may have been intentionally genetically manipulated. The paper was then submitted to peer review, which means nothing to me, on February 12th, 2020, with a cover email reading, there's been a lot of speculation, quote, there's been a lot of speculation, fear-mongering, and conspiracies put forward in this space. This paper was prompted by Jeremy Farrar, Tony Fauci, and Francis Collins. Scripps Research sent a letter on his behalf, later insisting that Anderson objectively researched the origins of the virus and claimed that Fauci did not influence his work. However, that was false. February 8th, 2020. One of the things that this Dr. Anderson had said was, our main work over the last couple of weeks has been focused on trying to disprove any type of lab theory. They had been in contact, apparently, discussing it. And the email to Fauci from Collins, quote, expressing dismay that the proximal, proximal origin, which they saw prior to publication, and were given the opportunity to edit, did not squash the lab leak hypothesis. And they asked if NIH could do more to put down the lab leak hypothesis. And they said the next day, Fauci cited it from the White House podium when he, when it, when he was asked whether or not the coronavirus, the, the Rona leaked from a lab. The proximal origin, that whole thing that, well, it was nearby, so that's how it could have jumped over. Are you kidding me? And here's literally, this was the, from the transcript. There was a study recently, this is Fauci. He says, quote, there was a study recently where a group of highly qualified evolutionary virologists looked at the sequence in bats as they evolve and the mutations that it took to get to the point where it is now totally consistent with a jump of species from an animal to a human. See, the whole, the other whole part of that, if you remember, was them saying that because it was near that wet market was nearby, that this was that this was totally you know how this happened. And then he had he added, so the paper will be available. I don't have the authors right now, but we can make it available to you. What he missed saying was that, oh yeah, the paper that I commissioned in order to support my answer to you here. Don't you think that's kind of important to know that from the beginning? I mean, amongst many other things that it was very important to know. But don't you think that it was important to note that from the beginning? And I do. We have a lot more on the way, including 
personal time Pete telling CNN that he's rethinking how he does his job. Maybe starting to do it is a suggestion. March Meatness is here and Good Ranchers has your chance to win free meat. Sign up and fill out your March Meatness bracket at GoodRanchers.com slash March. And if your bracket is best, you win free 100% American steakhouse quality meat for a year. Subscribe any day this month for free bacon added to your order and select your meat. Get free bacon and if your bracket wins, it will all be free for the next year. And if you don't win, well, I mean, you still get free bacon with every order and it's ship free straight to your door. So that sounds like a win-win. Order today and use code Dana to get an additional $20 off your first order. A chance to win free meat, free bacon, and $20 off. It's madness. Head to GoodRanchers.com slash March to sign up and fill out your bracket. Subscribe to claim free bacon and use code Dana for $20 off the best meat America has to offer. Visit GoodRanchers.com slash March and use code Dana. That's GoodRanchers.com slash March. Good Ranchers. American meat delivered. Of all your favorite talk hosts, one of these is not like the others. The Dana Show. I was struggling uh, because my heart was telling me to run. My head was telling me no. Politically, by staying out of the race, it's a smaller field, maybe tougher for Trump to get the nomination. I didn't want to have a uh, pileup of a bunch of people fighting. Well, I mean, I... For everybody who had Larry Hogan not weren't running on their bingo card list, go, oh, wait, you didn't because you don't care? I didn't either. I don't care. I, some guy that I wasn't even considering comes out and says he's not doing something. Yay. And we're all so happy. Thank you, Mr. Obvious, for stating something that's equally obvious. Welcome back to the program on Monday. Dana Lash here with you. I just love these people. They fawn all over themselves, fall all over themselves. Guess what? I'm going to have a big announcement, guys. I'm not going to run. You know what? Yeah, that's that's mm-hmm. Because you you were you weren't gonna win anyway. I don't um I you have to realize too, so many of these people get into this so they can get contributorships and book deals. They actually don't want to run. And then some of them, honestly, if they have like any kind of campaign debt from you know, if they're in elected office elsewhere, they got campaign debt. I do know for a fact that there are some of them that have run before to pay off that debt. That's just Guys, it is such a just a weird, grifty world politics. It really is. It's very rare when you get genuine people in it. And I feel like, you know, you got to protect those people. But then I question their sanity of getting involved in it in the first place. I really do. People are, I've had people ask me, are you ever going to run for office? I would not want to represent anyone that would vote for me. How about that? Like, I, I really wouldn't. Someone else said, well, you should run the ATF if you, if you take over. You know what I would do my first day? I would abolish it. Take, I would completely destroy it and completely just undo it. And then I'd resign. And then, that's my, and then I'm good. You know what? And then I'm going to go back doing what I do. And I want to be left alone. <laughs> that's, no, I, want you in there. I don't want to be in there. I, want you there. I don't want to be there. That's what I, want. I can't imagine. I have to, when, I, when I was in D.C. and I was in... Um, uh, walking in the halls in Congress, there, it is a soul-sucking place. And I love how all the lawmakers try to make their offices kind of cozy. And they try to make it a little bit like home. Like one of the reps from Wisconsin, he really is loving, he loves Wisconsin cheese. And he's very eager to like poke his head out the door and tell you all about Wisconsin cheese. It makes me almost wonder if he's not a cheese lobbyist. Got all these like cheese boards shaped like Wisconsin. So proud. 
And they try to like bring something home and put it in there. And you can tell that for some of them, it's like a Mr. Smith goes to Washington thing. It's like that's where they go to recharge. They go to their little office, they shut the door and they just recharge because it just sucks the pureness out of you. It really does. I mean, it's a weird place. I was telling my friend Carrie Pickett this when we were there and I was like, man, it is. It's a soul sucking place every time you go here. I mean, I don't know what's worse, going to Hollywood or going there. I mean, it's kind of both the same, isn't it? Stick with us. We got a second hour on the way. And, oh, Twitter's back, I guess. I guess it was down for a little bit. Aliens, let's hope. Maybe it was Smod. Prayers answered. Stay with us. Thanks to your support, Patriot Mobile has emerged as one of the leaders in the parallel economy, and they have big news. Patriot Mobile now offers service with all three major networks. This means if you're with the big three and like the service but hate their values, you can access them with Patriot Mobile. They also offer a performance guarantee. So if you're not happy with your coverage, you can switch between the three major carriers for free. Patriot Mobile, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider, offers nationwide coverage on the best 4G and 5G networks. So you get the same great service while supporting a company that fights to preserve our God-given rights and freedoms. Resolve now to stop supporting companies that don't align with your values. The Patriot Mobile 100% U.S.-based customer service team makes switching easy. Just visit PatriotMobile.com Dana or call them at 878-PATRIOT. Get free activation today with the offer code Dana. That's PatriotMobile.com Dana or call 878-PATRIOT. PatriotMobile.com Dana or call 878-PATRIOT. I know you guys got a lot of problems out here, but your governor's very concerned about what we're doing in Florida, so I figured I had to come by. Hmm. That was a, a very interesting reception because there were a lot of people that went out there to see DeSantis at that Reagan, the Reagan Library uh, address that he gave. Welcome back to the program. Top of our second hour. Dana Lash here with you. Good to be with you. Nationally syndicated radio program. You can hear it coast to coast. And you also have the benefit of being able to watch the simulcast of the radio show on YouTube, Facebook, channel 349, direct TV. I, uh, Newsom was probably mad that he was out there. I would imagine. I'm going to tell you, I learned so much tea over this weekend. I was just filling Kane in on some of it. Kane, your jaw was on the table, wasn't it? Yeah, it sure was. Uh huh. Sure uh huh. Yeah. So let me just tell you a little bit of what I heard over the weekend. Because I, you had the, it was the Dallas County Reagan dinner. Which was, I think, different from their Lincoln Days thing, obviously. And a lot of grassroots folks there. Because a lot of people, you'd be shocked at the number of people who got involved in politics and started taking over precincts because literally over fights over school. I mean, almost for no other reason but that. So it's a very, I, I, I kind of, you know, chuckle when I see, you know, some people saying that. And I, and I say this as someone who votes Republican, but I don't consider myself one. I will vote for the most conservative person on the ballot, which ends up being Republican most of the time. But I am so allergic to political tribalism. It, I mean, I, it almost makes it difficult for me to carry on like a normal person in any kind of political gathering. <laughs> it's just so weird. And I don't know, like I just, and I don't, um, I don't uh, like to fangirl over politicians because I am my that American part of my DNA just screams that sounds like a monarchy every time it you know I don't know I just 
it's weird. So it was a, it was a very, it was an interesting, and everyone was very nice. But I, so many people that I talked to got involved in politics because they were livid over their kids' schooling and the fight over school boards. Uh, I mean, it just, it's, it's amazing. And was at that event, and um, like I, because I, I was hearing from some folks in California, they're like, oh, Gavin Newsom was so mad that DeSantis went out there and kind of just, uh, I think it may, you know, he had his, he's on his, doing, talking about his book and the blueprint that they did for uh, Florida. And obviously made it, made them, uh, made him mad, made uh, Newsom mad. And I also think, too, he was in, uh, uh, DeSantis was in Texas at the Reagan days, the Dallas County Reagan days thing. And, you know, they, every year they have different, you know, politicians that come out and speak. So they've had different governors come out before, different elected officials come out before. It's not unusual. Um, this was, I just don't normally go to stuff like this. Because I, I just, um, I went uh, as a guest of uh, some friends there. Clint and Glenn Story does uh, Patriot Mobile. But um, they were there too. And talked to him for a while. Uh, Chip Roy, Congressman Chip Roy was there. I was, at a, I was at a table with Ronnie Davis and Chip Roy and Beth Van Dyne, the Texas delegation. That was a fun table. That was the fun table. But um, it was interesting because one of the things that I had been asking, whether it's the Moms of Liberty and those are the moms that have been very, very active in, uh, around, across the country in the school board fight and the CRT fight. And I know so many of them, and they are absolutely tireless in their advocacy for genuine academic education. And one of the things that, that I had been asking some of them about and some of these other grassroots educational activists was where has leadership in Texas been on the Republican side? And not just in Texas, but whenever I'm in, you know, when I was in Florida, I was talking to some people in Florida. Florida was different because it was like everybody at, from the governor on down, what could they do to help with a school board race? And this isn't about executive control no one was telling any they weren't directing anybody who to endorse who not to endorse they were like this is who you want how can we help because all politics is local and i have a feeling that some of the higher up texas leadership in the republican party don't understand that all politics is local and i that's kind of what i was hearing from a lot of these um uh activists in education Hmm. And so one of the um, one of the women that I had met, she was uh, I mean, uh, I mean, she an amazing activist and she had been very, very active in Dallas. Uh, She was uh, fighting on behalf of her kids school. She was, you know, running for office. She didn't get a lot of help from Texas GOP. Um, and, And a lot of Republican parties and Missouri Republican Party used to do this. They did not see the importance or need in trying to make areas that have not been competitive for Republicans competitive for Republicans. You see Democrats running people like Beto O'Rourke and Wendy Davis in Texas. The only reason they did that is not because, and they, they, they use these throwaway candidates. These are not candidates that ever had a shot in hell of doing anything grand. 
They're throwaway candidates that Democrats can use because the goal is to register voters and to seed the ground. That is it. They look at this and fight this incrementally. And a lot of Republicans don't see the need to to do it to emulating a similar tactic. And they should. Like Democrats didn't even think Beto O'Rourke had a shot in hell of winning anything. But that wasn't the point. He was just dumb enough to be the fall guy for it. He was the one who was dumb and goofy enough to be get high off his own farts and believe the hype that they organized to be published about him. And instead of realizing that he was just an apparatus to register voters and seed the ground, he actually bought into his own hype. And then he became a problem for them because he wouldn't stop running. That was but but Republicans don't do this. So I was talking to a mom who ran uh, for uh, school board in um, in Dallas. Dallas County is really tough. Uh, it's kind of like 70-30 and, um, in terms of Republican-Democrat. And it's it's flipping consistently. And, and one of the uh, organizers that I was speaking with was saying, yeah, it's a lot of Hispanic parents that are also standing up to the CRT that is in, that's, that's, that's uh, uh, taking over their kids' education. And that's one of the things that Democrats don't realize either. They're losing Hispanic voters. They are hemorrhaging Hispanic voters. They're hemorrhaging black voters. They, I, don't, I don't know if they fully realize this, but when you break down, especially whether it's in Dallas or some of these other areas, you saw this in Virginia as well. You definitely saw it in Florida. This is an issue that Democrats cannot compete on because they have just completely compromised kids for identity politics. They've compromised education for identity politics, and now they're paying the price for it electorally. And so I uh, was having conversations with these people, and I'm like, okay, well, where's, you know, I see like in some of these states and some other states, I've seen leadership really take it to heart that all politics was local why i mean why isn't our governor get endorsing school board races i'm not saying controlling them there's a difference i'm not saying for a governor to come in and say okay i want this person to run and controlling it but why not throw some of your shine on these people do an endorsement do a robocall you know maybe show up at a fundraiser you wouldn't believe in some of these counties how in, in some of these areas, how expensive these school board races are getting. You wouldn't believe how well funded and organized the left is on this. In my area, we had out of state people organizing and donating hand over fist cash money. They were able to use their contacts to get NBC in and have Lester Holt and have NBC cameras driving down neighborhood streets. It was wild. I mean, if ever there was a time when you would, you know, would, would really hope that you had these elected officials come and maybe do some real good as, you know, and recognizing the importance of some of these races and putting an endorsement in. A lot of people were not paying attention to things like school board races until lockdown happened. And then they saw what their kids were, were learning and they realized that these might be some of the most important elected seats in the country. So why is it that you don't have governors in every state doing this? I mean, why, why can't, why, I mean, I would like to see Governor Greg Abbott say, you know what, this is, here's an embattled school board seat. I'm going to, I'm going to endorse. I mean, obviously it's a Republican or a conservative candidate. Why not throw an endorsement there? All politics is local. Everything starts in your backyard. Or why can't we have everybody work together with all these Republican governors? I've been hearing stuff about this too. Apparently, there's a lot of egos in this. Apparently, people have been getting mad if some people send plane loads 
of illegal entrance to Martha's Vineyard. Why are you smiling? Kane's like, you're going to get slapped. Bring. Because I'm done with this. Let me tell you guys. I Let me just be real honest with you. I have always been straightforward with you guys from the get-go. You'll know if I like a potential candidate or not. But there's one thing that I don't do, no matter how much I like or dislike, I will dislike a candidate, I will call balls and strikes. Because nobody made me, and I work hard to keep it that way. And because I just don't like D.C. I mean, I don't need to have that power adjacency. I'm doing just fine right where I am. So, I just, Keynes is dying. Because it's true, I, be, I heard it from too many people. There are a lot of egos involved in some of this, and I've heard some people were getting mad that some leadership were sending planes of illegal entrance to Martha's Vineyard because they didn't come up with it, and therefore they just weren't going to be working too well with other people in leadership anymore. Not kidding. I'm hearing this like, are you? And I had to go to a couple of other people to, to, to get some more insight on it. Now, that's the problem with politics. You know, if you just work hard and you serve the people the people remember. They remember who came in clutch. The people remember who was the individual that was raising hell over what the federal government was doing or trying to do to them. They remember. The one thing that politicians fail themselves to remember is that the number one rule when it comes to to run in for office is that people want to know what have you done for me lately? Not just a body of work. It is lately. Because you have to keep on delivering and keep on delivering and keep on. It's not just a one and done. So I'm hearing some of this stuff over this weekend. It put, this is why I'm in a sassy, sour mood today because you hear this all weekend and you're like, you gotta be kidding me. This is why I, I don't, this is why I stay away from stuff. Cause I get mad. I hear this and I'm like, I get, I get angry. I like to give people a little bit of time, you know, to talk to me or answer me. You know, before I go hog wild on air and just spilling tea everywhere. I just, this made me angry though, hearing some of this stuff. You could have every, all Republican leadership across the country working together on this and just clowning Democrats on some of their bad policies. But oh no, someone gets upset. Some people get upset because this wasn't their idea and they got to pull out of it. Or they don't want to cooperate anymore. So what's wrong with politics? If you're too good to serve, you ain't good enough to lead. Now, I'm going to get get hate mail. It's all right. Uh, Make sure just, you know, you're, you, Kane will get it this time, though. I won't get it. Kane will get it. We, <laughs> we have more to come. Man, sometimes I just, you know, it, it's, it's, it's weird. It's a weird industry. And it's weird when you are in this industry. And I, so I came into politics as a street activist, like hardcore street activist. And a commentator, I went to J school, got a worthless, totally worthless degree, entirely worthless. And the only good class I ever had was logic. Um, but it's weird to come at it from this perspective and not through like a Washington DC insider kind of campaign perspective, because it's, you just never, ever acclimate to the weirdness of the political sphere. You never do. And now all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's quick five brought to you by Caltech. 
So, guitarist, songwriter, and the last original member of Leonard Skinner, Gary Rossington, has passed away uh, on on Sunday. He was 71 years old. No other details were given. He survived that plane crash, 77. Uh, He survived a plane crash that famously killed four members of the rock band, including Ronnie Van Zandt. Uh, but he uh, he was the one who apparently he co-wrote uh, Freebird, uh, a whole bunch of other tracks as well. Uh, but man, that's and Kane said that there were two other, like in the past couple of weeks. That's like the third of the musicians. Yeah, day. So that would be the trifecta from Wong. Uh, also, 35 people were arrested after rioters set fire to construction equipment and attacked police. We're going to talk a little bit about this. This is Atlanta Police Department. There's a video of it. Arson. It was clearly planned, obviously. And uh, they said that they, I mean, they were, I mean, people who were in the black block gear and all this kind of stuff. And uh, yeah, they're going to, there's going to, there's going to be some trouble from that. Uh, In addition to that, bad news for Democrats, more Asian American voters are the latest group to move to the right, joining Hispanic and black voters. Oh boy, trouble for Democrats coming up. We'll talk. Stay with us. Want a behind-the-scenes look at The Dana Show? Subscribe to Dana's chapter and verse newsletter for a deeper dive in all things Dana at DanaLash.com. So do you think he needs to make it official and say he's running so that there isn't more speculation or people considering other options? I don't think there's anybody that's serious that's actually considering running against Joe Biden because he's done such a great job. Hmm. That's uh, J.B. Pritzker, who I guess Biden has something on him. I don't know. Or or he's uh, butt kissing because he thinks that maybe there's a future for him in the administration somewhere if he doesn't decide to run, if you believe, and Cook County handle in elections, run uh, to be governor of Illinois again. Welcome back to the program. Dana Lash here with you. Bottom of the second hour this Monday. I don't. Yeah. And Kane asks the question I was getting ready to ask. What, what? So what do you mean? Great job. What specifically has Biden done? That's been a, that he would that he considers a, to be a great job. What is the great job? I mean, if you're talking about tax and spend and that's your goal, I mean, I guess he succeeded. If you're talking about destroying what was left of the border, well, I guess he succeeded. If you're talking about destabilization due to inarticulate messaging and poor posturing as it relates to foreign policy, then well, I guess, yeah, then he's, you know, done a good job. I mean, I, I, I don't know what good, what, what good job is he talking about? It hasn't been Biden leading. It's been everybody else. I mean, he's not the one calling the shots. He's just being led around and he's the figurehead. I mean, there's a shadow group that is president. Ultimately, I really don't believe that Joe Biden has the wherewithal to make his own decisions, to make any decision as it relates to the the direction of the country. I really don't. I mean, you've I've seen him give State of the Union address where he had to lean on the podium and not because he was being casual because he's old and he's I mean, he's dealing with health issues and he's tired. I mean, there's something to be said for wisdom, but there's also something to be said for a complete depletion of physical resources because you're old and tired. I mean, there's something to be said for it. Good heavens. That doesn't, and, and I, I just, I, I can't imagine him being up for, uh, to, the, to, the, to the job of another election. Can you? He, he didn't really run the first time around. Thankfully, they had lockdown. So they didn't have to really have him run, right? They could just kind of have him run. They didn't really have to have it. So 
thankfully he kind of got saved with that well now he can't so what's he going to do that's the 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 big question what's he going to do and if if division is the was the goal then there you go i was um some I, i was telling you the left was very very busy over the weekend you had 35 people who were arrested the and they're all the people who go to hot topic and get all the black clothes and then they go out and then do their stuff so it's in atlanta you had a bunch of people commercial grade fireworks molotov cocktails uh, all kinds of stuff they said that there was a group of violent agitators this sounds like an insurrection i think this is an insurrection seems insurrectiony they were they were uh praising a cop killer there's video of everything. The arson was obviously planned. But they were protesting. I, it's not protesting. They were rioting. It's an insurrection. So we're just, just call it what it is. So 35 people arrested. They set a construction vehicle on fire, threw rocks and bricks at officers. And uh, it was at this training facility that they call Cop City, that the activists call Cop City. And they, I, my favorite thing about this is that you have people who say... They're propagating militarized policing as they throw Molotov cocktails and try to blow up the facility. How dare they respond to our domestic terrorism with more militarized tactics? What did you think was going to happen? You're trying to blow up a training facility. Now, they said that there was, it was a uh, national... What is it? Day of Action Against Police Terror? I don't know. It's this training facility that has been used by law enforcement. And it was, uh, it, it's being built in this very uh, heavily forested area in a nearby county, and they call it Cop City. And they've had, uh, one of the reasons for this action is because at a previous protest, they said there was a man who had a tent in the woods, and they think he, I guess, was with the activists. He wouldn't, com- he wouldn't listen to any, uh, any commands, and there, this was after they had been there protesting and doing, well, protesting, doing all this stuff, being violent. Violent, isn't, that's not a protest. But there was someone who was killed there at a previous riot, and so they were upset over that, and so they decided to do more rioting. It looks like a back for blood thing seen honestly like if i'm looking for it so it looks like or left for dead it looks like a left for dead thing uh it, it just and i was thinking about this because there was this attorney for the southern poverty law center who was arrested tom Jurgens, with southern poverty law center apparently he was just arrested last night on charges of domestic terrorism hmm in Atlanta. Hmm. He was an attorney for the fire bombers there. I don't think that he's going to get any jail time, really. Because remember in New York, you remember you had those lawyers who were firebombing the cars in New York City? They were firebombing police cars in New York City. And what did they get? Like a wrist, they get like a few months' time and then probation? Nothing with these people. If you compare what they got to what J6 people got, it's not even comparable. So I don't think anything's going to happen with this guy either because that's D different. 
I, they, rioting against police and then they're mad when they're responded to. It doesn't make sense. Now, in the meantime, I've got a couple of other things that I want to hit here. We have some good audio as well. The um, whole, uh, whether it's the firebombing and everything that took place in Atlanta, I wanted to share this media piece with you because this is what else was happening over the weekend. And this was this narrative that the press has been I've seen people pushing this, and I don't understand it. Can we have a, like a quick conversation about cowboy boots here? You have cowboy boots, Kane? I do not. A lot of people do, though. A lot of people do. You don't, I mean, necessarily have to live in Texas or Colorado to have cowboy boots. So I have two examples of just goofy media here. So there's one who I guess saw a picture of Ron DeSantis in cowboy boots and was wondering why he was in cowboy boots apparently, and asking why they had heels on them. And then all of these other, I I guess people who've never been outside of the beltway don't understand why anyone would wear cowboy boots. Cowboy boots are the most universal shoe you could ever wear. You can wear them if you had to only, if you were going on a business trip and you only wanted to take one pair of shoes and you wanted to be kind of casual, but then also dress up if you have business dinner in the evening, cowboy boots is where it's at because you can dress them down. You can dress them up. You can wear them with trousers. You can wear them with jeans. You, it is the guy's go-to shoe. And for women, too, really. It really is. That's why people like them so much. And if you get good ones, they're really comfortable. So all these Beltway people are like, why is DeSantis? They've, I've seen them do this before, so this isn't new. But now it's just this, you know, it's a new election cycle. And everyone thinks he's going to run. So they're like, why is he wearing cowboy boots? And that's what they were going with over the weekend. They were all saying the same thing as though it was an original thought. Or maybe they share the same brain cell. And it's more like hive mind, a.k.a. Borg. The other thing was this coming out of CNN with their former president, Jeff Zucker. So the story is this that's out now is that as the pandemic and the lockdown was unfolding, CNN's president, Zucker, ordered the staff to not chase down the lab leak theory because they said it was like a right-wing talking point. So to reiterate, a news entity was saying if the people that we don't like are saying it, then we can't investigate it. And that's why I say political tribalism is a mental illness. They would not run this down or investigate it because they had already brushed it off as a right-wing talking point. Can you imagine if every news story was measured by whether it was right-wing or left-wing and whether or not someone talks about it, that's going to be the determination as to whether or not who, whoever's talking about it, that, that means uh, that's going to determine who, if it gets coverage or not. That's an, I mean, don't you think that that's an important story? And instead of, instead of actually investigating its merits, they, didn't, they wouldn't have anything to do with it because it was considered a right-wing talking point. Now you wonder why people have no faith in the press. It's because of stuff like this. It's, and, and this has been for years. And they've only now... Until the Department of Energy and the FBI have concluded that, yes, it was a lab leak. Only now are they writing about it. But then a lot of them are trying to retcon 
their approach. Some of them are trying to pretend that they've talked about it before when they actually haven't. And then others are pretending it's a brand new thing that we've never heard of before. We definitely weren't talking about this possibility back when the pandemic first emerged. It's just insane. Now, in Wokery, and I have more on this coming up, USA Powerlifting has to allow transgender athletes to compete in the women's division after they lost a discrimination case. J.C. Cooper, a transgender athlete, sued the Federation in 2021. So they wanted they J.C. Cooper won this discrimination case against U.S. powerlifting. And Cooper filed the complaint in 2019 because he's a dude who identifies as a chick. And he says that he wanted to compete against other women. And he was mad and felt discriminated against because he, a man who wanted to pretend to be a woman, wanted to compete against other women and could not understand why that wasn't being allowed. Here's the thing. There's no discrimination here. This is not it's not discriminatory to sell to tell a guy who thinks that he's a woman that he has to compete in the men's. No, no one's telling him he can't compete. No one is even telling him that he cannot compete dressed up in as in lipstick and makeup. No one's telling him that either. What they're telling him is that you can't take over the women's competition. You were born a male. You went through puberty as a male. You've lived as a male, as an adult. You don't get to just suddenly undo all of that and try to force everyone else to pretend that that has not given you a physical advantage. I mean, maybe, I just, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder if some of these athletes, they do this because they can't cut it in men's competition. And so they think they treat women's leagues and women's competition as a JV route. They, they look at women like, oh, that's JV. I, I can go over there and be the big fish in a smaller pond. It makes me wonder if that's, I mean, I kind of think that that's the reason why some of them do this. No one was telling that this guy that he couldn't do this. No one was telling this guy that he couldn't go and power lift with other dudes. He's probably getting his ass kicked, and so he wanted to go and lift with women. No, you're not being, you're not being discriminated against because women weren't able to compete with men in men's leagues. It's his life mission to make bad decisions. It's time for Florida Man. So, uh, man, this is one fight. There is a Florida couple that got into a big fight, and that escalated even more when the man set her wig on fire. They were arguing over a text message. This is in Coral Springs. Police there received a domestic disturbance call from a victim who said her boyfriend, Antoine Clay, had assaulted her and set fire to her stuff. When the victim, uh, when police showed, showed up, the victim told officers that Clay returned home. They began an argument over messages between her and another individual. The victim told police at one point, Clay grabbed her wig and used a lighter to burn it. And officers found a half-burnt wig on the ground outside the residence. So she said that he also threatened to burn her clothes and was the aggressor. Uh, they said that uh, he could burn the wig. He literally told this to police. He could burn it because he paid for it. <laughs> he was placed under arrest by Coral Springs police and transported to the Broward County Jail. Mm. Uh, let's see. This, uh, oh boy. A fleeing, motor, a fleeing F- Florida motorcyclist flipped off police and then was hit by a truck. Because he was too busy watching the police to flip them off. I'm. <sighs> Volusia County Sheriff's 
office had it. He's facing multiple charges. He blew right through a red light. He was fleeing local police and he flipped them off. And then right as he did it, because he wasn't looking, he got T-boned by a truck. The three-minute video was actually shared of Lucia County Sheriff's Office Facebook page. He was popping wheelies and, like, cutting in and out of traffic, which is why police were called. They were called by other motorists who said that he was the guy was dangerous. Uh, and he was going really, really fast. And uh, Joshua Richardson, one of the motorcyclists, uh, had looked back, flipped the bird, traveled right into the intersection, and then got promptly hit by the truck. Miraculously, our story doesn't end here. He survived and then tried to run away on foot. Police apprehended him. It's all on camera. And then as they handcuffed him, Richardson goes, I'm hurt. And one of the deputies goes, you're an idiot. And Richardson says, I know. And he was (laughs) taken into custody. What in the world? Oh, boy. So uh, and then Sumner County deputies were called uh, to a park on County Road where 48-year-old Mark Malone was hallucinating and said someone was trying to rob him. And when a deputy approached Malone, he whispered, they are back. He was in possession of a ton of meth, like a bunch of meth. Uh, he was immediately taken to Sumter County Detention Center uh, where his bond was set. Yeah, he, <laughs> he, he was called. Residents were concerned because this guy was freaking out running on side of the road. Oh, my. It's not funny, but man, I mean, I can just imagine some of these encounters that police have. I mean, good heavens. All right. We got a lot more. Coming up still, third hour of the program. Stevie Nates will join us halfway through. Stay with us. Well, equality, we talk about, uh, I don't know what the answer to that is. <laughs> Come to think of it, you know, uh, equality is equality of opportunity. All right? We live in a society we want all people right. to have whatever color your skin is. Equity, I think, is more guarantee of outcome, is it not? I yeah, think, I think so. I think that's okay. Fine. Oh, he so thinks which it is. Come, which but that's what he's been arguing on? this entire time. This is Bernie Sanders on this whole talking. He he was struggling to explain the difference between equity and equality, which is sort of surprising to hear a socialist stumble in that. Welcome back to the program, Dana Lash here with you this Monday, top of our third hour of the program. And friends, you can listen from sea to shining sea. You can also watch the simulcast of the radio show on uh, Channel 349, DirecTV. You can watch it YouTube, Facebook. We have an ongoing discussion every day over on YouTube as well. Yeah, he's very not quite sure the difference between the equality and equity. And this is a big thing that you know, we've talked about for you know, endlessly on this, on this program. The difference between equality and equity is inequality. You know, it's... it's you, the outcome is not guaranteed, but you have the equal option to try. Everyone can try, but it doesn't matter. There's so many variables that come into play. And those variables have to do with the will and the determination of the individual in question. Equity literally is about invoking discrimination to guarantee an outcome. Equality is equal opportunity but equity is not. And that's the big, that's the, the, big, uh, the big difference here. And he doesn't, and he thinks it's okay. Because equity requires discrimination to secure an equal outcome. 
And that's not okay. That's not what we were built on. That's not e pluribus unum. That's not in the spirit of this republic's creation. Makes me think of this with the context of the uh, school debt, the grad school debt issue. What the Supreme Court has been determining. And I saw this, um, what was it? It was over at Bloomberg Law. They were very upset. They said that the nine Supreme Court justices who will rule on Biden's student loan forgiveness plan each themselves went to college when it cost a fraction of what it does today. You know why it does? It's because Democrats chose to nationalize student loans. They seem to have left that part out when writing about this. They didn't actually discuss what it was that drove up those the cost of college and also made colleges unaccountable. We shouldn't even be discussing reappropriating people's grad school debt, especially when you have these universities with multi-million, in some instances, it's like a billion dollars in endowments. I mean, that's good heavens. And yet we're supposed to go along with it because it's about equity and not equality. Discrimination results in equity if they want to. And actually, I don't even think it's with these individuals. I also think that that's a misnomer. I don't think it's about actual equal outcomes. I think that they believe unequal outcomes in order to make equal, I guess, the wrongs that people have committed in history. That's what it seems. That's what CRT is based on, though. CRT is all about equity, which you absolutely have to invoke discrimination in order to secure equal outcomes. That's why so many parents have opposed it. That's why a lot of schools, people like Hillsdale works, uh, we partner with on this program. That's why they oppose it. Now, speaking of the whole situation of equality and equity and outrage and CRT and everything else, I did watch, I finally watched last night that Chris Rock special. When did it live stream came? Was it Friday or Saturday? I think it was Friday. It was like their Netflix's first live stream event. And Chris Rock finally addressed the whole Will Smith thing. And I watched it and I thought parts of it were funny, but I also, it's kind of hard to compare him to Dave Chappelle, which I don't think you necessarily have to do. I mean, there's room for everybody. But there was something different about Chris Rock's stand-up routine and we can't even play any of it because what did you how did you describe it if we if we had actually tried to censor it because of yeah it would sound like morse code yeah on the radio it was is bad there was some the other the one of the parts i mean literally almost every other word he he talked about abortion there for a little bit and it wasn't going the way that you thought until about halfway through because he was he he was proclaiming that he was pro-abortion and he was you know like a punch card and then he says, yes, I am pro you going to kill your baby. And he's like, as long as you realize that's what you're doing, you're killing a baby. I mean, he said that without any apology. And there at one point, the whole auditorium got quiet because there were women who had been cheering him and then they didn't know what to do after he said that. That was interesting. But he addressed the Will Smith thing, too, which I thought was great. And he had said that 
because it, it, and I agree with him. I always I, I don't like I thought I don't like Will Smith and I'm not a fan of Jada Smith because Jada was running her mouth. And I mean, she literally was talking about how she screwed around on her husband and all this other stuff. And everybody was talking about her and, and, and Chris Rock goes, but I'm the one he slaps. And afterwards, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was there with uh, Dana Carvey and David Spade and Arsenio Hall, a bunch of other comedians. Uh, and they were all talking about it, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar had said, yeah, if it was me up on that stage, there wouldn't have been any slapping. But he went after Chris Rock, because Chris Rock is tinier than him. I mean, he's not like little bitty, but he's a lot shorter than Will Smith is. But he said it was selective outrage. It was selective outrage, and it was true. I mean, I think Will Smith got tired of being the uh, cuck of the joke, I guess you could say. I mean, his wife was out there talking about all this stuff. Being in, didn't she have the guy that she was sleeping with on her little talk show thing and doing all that stuff? And then they get mad at Chris Rock. There was, a, there was some schadenfreude. At, now, here's the difference, I think, with the Chris Rock, what he was talking about, and, and even to an extent Dave Chappelle, because Dave Chappelle really kept his stuff, I think, 30,000 foot. He talked about you know, the, the transgender outrage to his stuff and all of that. But there was something... That was a little bit more visceral, I think, about the Chris Rock thing. Because when you watched him get slapped at the Oscars, and I didn't watch the Oscars, we just all saw the clip later. And then when you hear him, finally, he picked his time. He waited until literally Oscars weekend to do this. I mean, in the Oscars this weekend, he waited right before the Oscars. Like, he was going to clap back, but not yet. But is it, let me ask you this, because we were talking about this last night. Do you feel like this is a little bit of schadenfreude generally and that's why it resonated with some people? I feel like there are a lot of people who see whether or not they watched the performance but they saw this and they were happy to see someone hit back at this in the manner that he did. Because it seems like people have been restless. Everyone is trying to maintain this veneer of civility, which is one of the last things that is preventing society from devolving into a hellscape. And it was good to feel as though someone wasn't just hitting back for themselves, but kind of just hitting back for a lot of people in a way. I don't know. It felt like that in some respects. They were done with the woke culture. They're done with the cancel. They're done with all of it. And he did not want to be a scapegoat. He said selective outrage. And we always said that wokery was going to cancel comedy. And comedy, believe it or not, that's where they're fighting back. The comedians are going to save, save us from cancel culture. And some of them are waking up. But they are really pushing back against it. Comedy has to have honest conversation in order to exist. And comedy doesn't require your approval of it or not. And it can take many forms and there are many paths to get to the conclusion. I just, I would hate to think that we live in a society that's so damn fragile that we can't even have comedy anymore. So it was good to see that kind of, and he had said, he goes, everybody's scared. He said, everybody's terrified. This is what I love what he said. He goes, he goes, 
In the old days, he said, if somebody wanted your job, they worked harder. They'd work harder and they'd get it. Now they don't even do that. They just wait for you to say something stupid. And the absence of any kind of grace, which was my third book, enables it. Their sin just has to be bigger than yours and you're okay. And then their sin has to fit into a couple of these different boxes. And if it does, then you're definitely okay. I mean, that's, that was a, that's a, it's a good point. He said that everyone's full of garbage and that people are typing out woke tweets on a phone made by child slaves. And he was right. And I love, yeah, in Kane notes what he said about Lululemon. He said he was walking past Lululemon store and he saw an ad in there and they were like, we don't support racism. And he was like, I don't care. He's like, give me $20 racist yoga pants. It was hysterical. He's like, they sell those things for, they're, they're actually over $100. <sighs> I didn't even know they sold men clothes. Do you know they sold men clothes there? They, sold men, they sell men's clothes at Lululemon. Can I just ask you, what in the hell does a man need to be going into Lululemon getting clothes for? Huh? You sell yoga clothes. The hell you need to go into Lululemon to get yoga clothes for? Really, though? I did not even know that. I literally was like this month year old. And I did not know. I thought it was only chicks that I thought it was a chick store. I didn't know dudes. Wait, but I, how much are the dude stuff? Because the women's stuff. And the reason I know how much Lululemon stuff is, is because I have friends who tell me how much the Lululemon stuff is. Is their stuff $100? I mean, it's $100 leggings. You can get leggings on. I can't. You got to say it like that, too. You can get them on Amazon for like $20. I don't get it. But d- there are dudes who. Dudes who get it. What, what, Kane? They have a whole men's section on the website. Give me, give me a price point. Give me, like, how much are All some right, pants see. or something? Let's go to men's and... What man walks like around? Do they have the logos on them, t- on those two? Men's pants. I'm going to, if you're a dude and you're wearing Lululemon, I have, I'm going to make fun of you. There's a... Uh, I'm not going to apologize for any of this. Relaxed tapered trouser. $148. <laughs> Whew. Oh, you, do you guys want to know why you see me all in black most of the time? Because A, I can't dress myself and I just don't have time to sit here and do that. I'm focused on all this stuff. Two, I literally buy like black shirts in bulk online. I literally will. Like black t-shirts, like good, nice tees that have like the longer sleeves. I, I'll i buy that in bulk. And you know, if you got a top loader, you can throw that in with some black dye and just keep it going if you want to refresh. I mean, I'm full of tips. So that's why, because it's easy. It's easy, and I'm like, why do you need to be going in and spend $148 on what, like a jogger? Is that what they call like thin sweatpants nowadays? They call them joggers. Yeah, they look like, I sound like a 90 year old. They look like khakis. They also have ones called Utilitech Carpenter Pant. By the way, does not Shut resemble up. actually carpenter pants. Where's the hammer go? $148. Shut up. Not kidding. And they look like high waters. Like you know the, the people that wear the high water. Uh, pants that uh-huh. are up above the ankle socks. Yeah. yeah, that's this pant right here. Oh, ew. Hold on, I gotta Nobody wants to be seeing man ankles. Anyway, long story short, I I mean, it was an interesting... I, the, the, it really went in, because he teased going into the Will Smith stuff, and then when he finally went into it, the whole audience, you could feel the energy through the screen. It was crazy. Crazy. So very, very interesting. All right, we got a lot more on the way. A lot more on the way. In fact, our friend Stephen Yates is going to be joining us as well. 
uh, and you don't want to miss S. Those are the uh, can I just say those are the ugliest pants I've ever seen in my life. Those pants that you just put in slack look like what that grandpa from Up would wear. And now all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. This is a sad story. It's from the Washington Post. Scammers are using voice cloning AI to impersonate distressed loved ones, sometimes spoofing even specific phone numbers to further the scam, and their victims are falling for it. The danger is that if there's recordings of you speaking online, it's actually not difficult to clone your voice using AI web services, and they can call up your relatives, pretend you're in trouble, and then try to get money out of them. And so it's troubling and, I mean, predictable, and wow, this is the state of things. This is just, it's sad, very sad. Uh, Cops are quitting in Austin, Texas, in droves. And the, the city is going to be plunged further into, into crisis. They actually say if, if you're even remotely conservative, it's a hostile place. Uh, but they said that they are, I mean, some, many of them are retiring. 77 officers are expected to retire before the end of March on top of 264 existing vacancies, according to the Austin Police Association. In fact, the staffing is so bad, they're having to direct 911 to 311 non-emergency numbers because they do not have enough officers to go and respond and solve crimes and so they say that stuff has to go to 311 now and and a lot of instances you will not get a police response to if it's like a property crime um if it's not like a violent crime that's ongoing you're probably not going to get like an immediate response that's crazy but that's the state of things that's what they wanted stick with us Stephen yates next Want a behind-the-scenes look at The Dana Show? Subscribe to Dana's Chapter and Verse newsletter for a deeper dive in all things Dana at danalash.com. Welcome back to the program. Your lovable curmudgeon, Dana Lash, here with you. You can listen coast-to-coast, and you can also watch the simulcast of the radio program, uh, Channel 349 Direct TV. Also, YouTube, Facebook. We have discussions that go on uh, YouTube all throughout the program as well. It's good to be back with you here at the bottom of our third hour. Joining us right now, very good friend of ours. He's an expert in all things China policy. He's an expert in foreign policy anyways. Worked in previous presidential administrations. Stephen Yates, who's a senior fellow at the American First Policy Institute, and he's the chair of the China Policy Initiative. He joins us. We do miss the Lego bunker. We're always happy to see him on Mondays. It's good to see you. I, my first question right out of the gate, and I was, I happened to be, well, there were a couple of things that I was reading about this move from china to now boost their military budget and they've they are boosting it by about 230 billion dollars this year uh they had a big meeting defense expenditures going to increase by over seven percent and that's ahead of the 5.7 percent increase in the general public expenditure i was looking at how much of their gdp that they're spending on their military and i was comparing it to what nato members would spend and even what members of five eyes spend on their military budgets and i have to say i'm a little bit concerned what does that move by their government mean to you well, it's pretty clear indication of what their priorities are. Uh, of course, their statistics are a fiction. So at best, we sort of are looking for trend lines. Uh, but if what they're declaring is an accurate trend line, and I think it probably is, in the wake of the most catastrophic shutdowns their country has experienced in two generations, they're accelerating by monumental terms their expenditures on military. For what? Who's attacking China? Who's invading China? Who's sending a virus into China? 
Who's taking their territory? What exactly are they, air quotes, defending against? This very obviously is building up for which country in the world? It's not building up to push away intruding Europe. Uh, it's not going to push away bad Vlad. He's on the receiving end of asking them for help. It's not going to push away Iran. They're not doing anything to destabilize China. It's all obviously aimed at a very distracted and demoralized America. And so that it should be sobering for us. We shouldn't have to carry the lion's share around the world, but we should at least be making sure that we're ready if this Winnie the Pooh commie bear is coming for us. What are what would when we're talking with our friend Stephen Yates? You can follow him on Twitter at YatesComs. The what, I mean, what would they be waiting for to do? I mean, obviously. You know, we we and we've talked about this many times on the program. Uh, they believe that Taiwan is, you know, part of them. They, I mean, obviously, really believe that having a military presence there will solidify that and also send the message to elsewhere in the world that because we've been operating on this real vague, this this vague policy where we kind of acknowledge it, but we don't really explicitly state it as it relates to any kind of Taiwanese independence. What are they waiting for? What what would they accomplish that would be the signal to the United States that, okay, it's about ready to pop off? Well, number one, uh, when I was young and impressionable, there were some luminaries in the foreign policy and defense field that said, you know, one of the reasons why President Reagan built up such a strong national defense uh, was that so that others wouldn't dare challenge us. It wasn't that he wanted to go to war stomping around the world. It was so that people would listen to what we said our interests were and they wouldn't feel like they were in a position to challenge us. And if they wanted to change things, they would understand, well, this is non-negotiable, so we're just gonna wait. And so China's flipping the script in a way. Uh, we can hope that they're not looking to come at America head to head. And I don't think that that would be a rational option for them to take on. But they would, I think, like to present themselves as so big and so bad that we're just going to have to accept their terms, at least in Asia and maybe in other parts of the world. And so it's to be so big as to have a deterrent effect against us trying to stop them or help our allies block their expansionism of authoritarianism in Asia. Mm, yeah, well, I mean, this definitely increasing their budget definitely seems to be in that direction. Of course, they also had a big uh, meeting with their CCP. They were changing out some some of their it was like a musical chairs a bit uh, with some of their their leadership. What's what does that signify? Well, this is part of the Kami China 101 for a lot of people who have a, a, a significant excuse not to have paid attention. But in this non-democracy, <laughs> in the fall of every four years, they have, or every five years, I should say, they have a party Congress where real power is decided. And then six months later, they have a people's Congress where the government positions get shuffled according to what the party decided six months ago. So we just had that six month echo effect so the people who have the titular leadership roles in charge of ministries, uh, the economy, uh, other kinds of civilian positions in air quotes, because they're all communist party positions, uh, they got some shuffling. So the outgoing premier uh, who had been in charge of the economy and running the state government got swapped out. And part of his farewell was to announce some of these increases in spending and the reframed priorities that Xi Jinping had put in place. And so what we have is more demonstrable personnel power demonstrated by Xi Jinping. He is in charge of today's China. I think it's not credible for someone to say, well, he's got the balanced forces and he has to watch out for his military. I think he's greased anybody that wants to challenge him. That's, that's uh, the and line. So, 
he's greased any but any challenge. He's okay. Wow. We're talking with our friend okay. Stephen Yates at Yates Comms on Twitter uh, with the American First Policy Institute. China's not going to arm Russia, are they? Or are they already? And we are just kind of overlooking it. My view is, and my friend Gordon Chang says the same thing on the air, that they have been all along. It's really just a matter of what exactly they've been sharing. Uh, and when you're sharing materials and capital and other things, that's what fancy people would say is fungible. It can change into other things. Mm -hmm. So you give them an asset in one category, but they swap it into something that's used against Ukraine. Did they help Russia against Ukraine? Well, yes, they did. And so that's been happening now for a year. Uh, but they're talking about real military equipment changing hands. Uh, and uh, my colleague, General Kellogg, warns that this year is actually quite decisive because if this becomes a long-term war of attrition, Ukraine's going to lose. And so the challenge for the West is, are they going to help Ukraine stop Putin in his tracks and maybe stop Putin? Uh, but if that's going to happen, Europe's going to have to pull its head out from its long-term slumber. They got to step up. They got to do what the Chinese are doing and spend more on defense for themselves and their neighbors. If they don't do that, I don't like our odds there. Yeah, I don't like those odds either. Speaking of uh, uh, Europe, the German chancellor said Sunday that China's declared it's not going to provide Russia with any kind of weapons for war. Uh, he says that they've received some assurances from Beijing. Do we actually trust Olaf Scholz to be able to deliver a promise like that? Yeah, well, you know, there's a long history of people saying, oh, this is never going to happen. <laughs> I even remember a famous diplomat writing a memo the day before Saddam invaded Kuwait saying it's never going to happen. So let me color me skeptical that someone putting together a diplomatic note saying, ah, don't worry about this, that everything's going to go OK. Uh, and when it comes to Putin, Xi Jinping, the mullahs in Iran, lots of other bad actors around the world, I mean, they don't really feel the need to tell us what they're going to do. And yet they indicate pretty clearly don't like us. In fact, they hate us. And if we give them any opportunity, they're coming for us. Mm -hmm. So we should just bake that into the cake. Yeah, there you go. Stephen Yates, as always, stuff to keep our eye on. And we love that you break it down for us so well. Always so good to see you. Follow him on Yates on Twitter at Yates Comms. Good to see you. And if you're in Dallas, holler at us because we'll. We'll go talk. We we're just talking I hope about to do that. that soon. That would be awesome. My wife Michelle says hello. Yeah, well, tell her we said hello too. Good to see you. Take care. You got it. Take care. Yeah, that's, uh, and we'll make sure that we have all that up. And I'll have these links too out. Look, we'll have our discussion up on YouTube, and then I'll make sure that we, I send some of these links out. I found the, the Schultz thing very interesting, but the, I have a couple of pieces to send out to you that that is it, it it gets into the gdp for china defense and it gets into the five and i, I we've talked about the five eyes uh with with uh yates before that's australia uh australia new zealand canada and the united states and uk that's the uh it's kind of nato-esque but that sort of deals five eyes is it it it, it was um the origin of that organization goes back but uh, that's a little bit, you know, we share intel. That's kind of how it is. We've had headlines with about Five Eyes before. It's, uh, but it's very NATO-esque, but it looks more towards China now, uh, more so than, than, than Russia. But that is, that is $230 billion increase. And they, of course, keep saying the same thing about Taiwan, that they, you know, they pledge uh, overall policy for a new era, resolving I, what they say is the Taiwan question. Hmm. The Taiwan question. It is, I mean, every every issue like this, as it relates to geopolitical 
the geopolitical sphere always comes back to what interest does it affect of the United States? And you don't always, I mean, I, I especially get it too when people say that they, they don't, they don't want to see uh, tyranny run rampant elsewhere, but you also have to measure that with the cost that it, that it incurs with the United States and, and how to best, how to best handle the situation and how to best get people in office that exercise every diplomatic option available before something goes from cold to hot. And we really do not have that in the, in the white house right now. We absolutely do not. And it's, it's incredibly frustrating. We have today in stupidity on the way. And then also I've got to share with you the story about Pete Buttigieg, because I don't know if you've seen this, the story about Pete Buttigieg, he was hammering people who watch or his critics and some of the people who watch like Tucker Carlson and other of his critics, he was saying that uh, he asked, do you think Tucker Carlson knows the difference between a TJ Maxx and a Coles? Do you honestly think that Poot Buttigieg does too? Listen to the Dana show live on the Odyssey app weekdays, noon to 3 PM Eastern time. I did all we did, all the stuff you guys wanted me doing and some more, and we still cut the deficit in the last two years by $1.7 trillion. Oh, uh, nope. Uh, I'm calling shenanigans on that. That's a lie. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's a little bit of a falsehood, Kane. A little bit. Welcome back to the program. He says that he's a deficit hawk, but he's not. I mean, there, no. And his, his cabinet's been trying to push this for some time. This is as they're gearing up for this debt ceiling fight. And apparently during the remarks that he made today, he was saying that he's, abs- what, 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 how did he put it? He's uh, basically not interested in compromising or discussing anything. And as Kane notes with Moody's analytics, they said that it's the policies of this administration that have absolutely contributed to higher deficits. There's been no cost cutting. I mean, when you when he was inaugurated, the CBO had projected something like fourteen and a half trillion dollars baseline budget deficits between twenty one and thirty one. Now they're projecting now over this two years later, same administration. It's like over twenty over twenty trillion dollars in deficits now you're not getting all of that unless you're spending money that's how that works i mean of that they said five trillion comes from just the new legislation and executive orders signed by biden alone the new legislation and executive orders that he signed has contributed to roughly five trillion of it alone so no we're not going to pretend that he's cutting the deficit or that he's cutting debt or anything like that. I mean, the American Rescue Plan was $2 trillion. So that's part of the five. Uh, remember when some of this was going to be infrastructure expansion? Well, where the hell did that go? That's why whenever Democrats sit here and talk about infrastructure, I'm like, well, what do you guys? But, but they, don't, they don't do anything with, with it. They, I mean, where's you have all these train derailments simple things that had nothing to do with any kind of regulation, especially when it deals with axles and bearings. Uh, what did you say, Kane? Like, it was like less than 10%. I thought it was like even under seven. It was like only yeah, it was, a tiny fraction of it. Definitely less than 10% of it went to infrastructure. So, yeah. But yet, do you all remember how it was marketed to you? Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. They acted like it was going to be the new shining city on the hill. They were going to redo everything. That's how they did the Inflation Reduction Act, too. They tried to make people believe it would reduce inflation by giving it a name like that. Uh, when in fact it did nothing. 
that's why I don't like politicians that sit here and they, especially when everyone's broke and they're sitting here talking about, well, let's do this and let's like re, you know, revamp, you know, all of these, you know, these things. And, and I'm not a, I'm not a, and especially when they, you get so much, so much of this money already goes to these items and yet it's not used. Like, or it's out, uh, what was it? The same thing with the, uh, the bailout for businesses during lockdown. Like how much of that actually went to the businesses? And then the Democrats were saying, oh no, but they're not, they don't have enough money. We need to pass more. Well, it's because it wasn't being allocated. That's a major issue. I mean, he signed when uh, so much with executive orders, and then the two the two trillion dollar American Rescue Plan. What did you have a uh, almost a twenty five percent surge in discretionary spending over a two year period? A huge uh, expansion of uh, different kind of subsidies and SNAP benefits and all of this other stuff. I mean, he outpaces every single predecessor when it comes from from crazy spending and adding to the deficit, which is wild to say, because that even includes Barack Obama, which I never thought we'd see anybody could spend more than him. But we met him. Now here he is. Wild. Absolutely wild. All right. Today in stupidity, Kane. Okay, it's going to be our president. He said a lot of dumb things today. Um, So I'm just going to pick one. This one, he was talking about his cancerous lesion removed from his chest, Mm -hmm. and then I guess he got flustered, and then this is what he ended up saying. Let's listen to this. I had uh, these terrible headaches, was diagnosed with having a... a, uh, Anyway, they had to take the top of my head off a couple times, (laughs) see if I had a brain. Is he not supposed to be saying this? Uh, I don't know if he's joking or admitting something. I really don't that know. That doesn't sound point. like he's joking. Does that sound like he's joking to you guys? I don't know. They don't take. I don't think doctors take the tops of your skulls off to see if you have a brain. But no, I mean this is. I understand why they'd question him about having one. But I don't know. That was weird. That's a weird soundbite. Let's say. Let's mark that for tomorrow. Bookmark that for me. Flag it. We have, uh, I'll be on uh, Jesse Waters' program tonight in the 6 p.m. Central Hour. Sign up for the newsletter over at Substack. Find us on YouTube, Facebook. Have a great night. I'll be back with you tomorrow.